Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Will, coming back for a new episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking squirrel hunting. Yes, I know a lot of y'all are probably out there chasing elk, mule deer, whitetail season has kicked off across some parts of the nation. And so if you've been hunting yet, we want to wish you good luck. Hopefully you've had some luck so far and some good success in the field. But we're going to get our own Josh Dalkey on here because he recently just got back from his squirrel hunt in Kentucky. Now, me being from Texas... I don't know much about squirrel hunting. I mean, I know we got them up here and they chew on the siding of my house and that's about all I know. So I want to find out from Josh what this hunt was like and find out how easy it is. You know, I think it's a really good gateway, good entry to hunting for young people or people that haven't done it at all. And so I get Josh on here to talk about that, tips, tactics, strategies, overall talk about the hunt, and maybe show you just how easy it is. So again, y'all, we just want to thank you for tuning in for the Hunt Stand Podcast. You got a lot of choices out there, and so we just want to say thank you. And if you haven't yet, make sure you got the Hunt Stand app downloaded. Download the free version today, and if you want to unlock all the features and tools that Pro provides, upgrade to Pro today. So again, just want to say thank y'all. I'm going to quit rambling, and here's our man Josh, and we just want to thank you for tuning in. And we hope you enjoy. All right, y'all. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. And on today's episode, we have returning guest, Mr. Josh Dalkey, to talk about a recent venture that he went on. And Josh, tell us about this little venture that you did to film for a Hunt Stand original. Well, it was a, it was a, a pretty hardcore backcountry tag of a lifetime kind of hunt uh squirrels in kentucky <laughs> tree rats oh yeah the rats the rats of the hickories and oak trees of kentucky which was something that uh believe it or not i've never squirrel hunted before like i've shot a few when i've been grouse hunting or stuff like that more so just kind of like opportunistic one here one there maybe one with a pellet gun when i was a kid mm-hmm. but i never had done a real squirrel hunt so this was a, a first for me Man, I'm not going to lie. When you told me you were doing it, I was like, wait a minute. I didn't know they had squirrel seasons. I mean, like, I think a lot of people shoot squirrels in their backyards when they're chewing on the sidings of houses and all that stuff. (laughs) So when you told me that, I was like, man, I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah. So I've always known that it's a thing. And I've heard a lot of stories from people and especially like more so down south in the southern part of the country, uh, especially the southeast, like there's still a a squirrel hunting tradition that's that's kind of hanging by a thread down there. And Mm -hmm. there has been some decent like media and content that has come out in the last several years around squirrel hunting. But by and large, it's it's kind of a dying tradition. And 
it used to be way more popular back in the day because um as i'm writing about in an article right now like you know back in the day kids could throw a 22 over their shoulder right with their backpack and ride their bike to school and throw their rifle in their locker and just go home and uh or head home and shoot some squirrels along the way like that was a thing that people did and now it's like you even say gun in school in the same sentence and you're probably gonna have the fbi looking for you but like yeah back when things were still the good old days kids just you know planked and shot beer cans in their backyard and went out and shot squirrels on the way to and from school and that kind of thing so like it used to be way more of a deal and that's how a lot of kids started hunting but nowadays it's it's just kind of a forgotten thing and it seems like when people have time to hunt or learn how to hunt it's usually like turkeys or whitetails or you know bigger stuff yeah maybe they can go one weekend a year with their their dad or whatever when they're starting hunting um but the reality is there's still a ton of squirrels out there and there's still a ton of opportunities to do it it's just that i think that younger generation isn't being introduced to it like they were in the past well and you know to kind of i guess curtail that you know I have seen recently in some different media outlets in the industry that it there's people that are beginning to talk about it more than what they did in the past. Like when I say the past, I'm talking like, you know, the recent 10, 15 years. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. It's it's starting to get more visibility and kind of a resurgence. And that's that's probably honestly how I um, finally like leaned into this. I've had a friend. His name is JJ Reich. He mm-hmm. actually works for Federal Ammunition and CCI Ammunition, uh, does their media relations. But we've been friends for a long time. We've hunted a bunch of different spots together. He lives like 30 minutes away from me. So he's also a Minnesota guy. But uh, JJ has been hammering on me for several years to go squirrel hunting because he knows how much I just love new hunting experiences and I love the meat. And it's just such an accessible thing. And I mean, if you get good at it, you can shoot a lot of them and and have some good meals out of it. So like he figured I would geek out on it and he's been trying to push me for years to, to get a hunt together with him. It just didn't happen until this year. So he's the one who invited me to come down to Kentucky and do this deal. And when I heard how we were going to be doing it, I was even more excited because we actually hunted by boat and we were able to take boats out to get to all these little woodlots along a lake on public land and it was um it was awesome because we didn't run into anybody the whole time out there i figured being kentucky's squirrel opener that there'd just be people walking through the woods everywhere but like we did not we did not see another soul and that's that's cool but at the same time it speaks to what i was saying before like not as many people squirrel hunt anymore which is any kind of hunting it's alarming when when numbers go down and participation goes down so yeah. while it was cool to have the woods to ourselves, at the same time the bigger picture it'd be nice to know that there's some more people out there doing it so like putting this film together and telling the story and whatnot and doing this podcast and all that kind of thing like hopefully it encourages some people who've either never considered it or maybe stopped doing it to get back out there and try because a lot of the squirrel seasons in the country open early and close late so you can you can start hunting squirrels before you're focused on whitetails in a lot of places. And once deer season or whatever season is over, big game season, um, a lot of times those squirrel seasons go into early part of the winter when you can't hunt anything else. So it's just another way to extend your season. That's what I really like about it. I like that, man. That I need to try that sometime. I need I need to go out to 
Kentucky and give it a shot. And so, man, you know, talking about just like hunters in general, you know, it's, it's kind of a bittersweet thing to talk about when you're, you know, you're saying you're out there and it's nice cause there's not a lot of hunters, but then like you're saying, you're thinking in the back of your mind, um, you know, like, man, there should actually be more people out here. And so, so we just got to keep continuing to be good advocates for the sport. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, a lot of times I think, you know, there's, there's different types of hunting mentorship and people have different, different folks who get them into hunting these days. It's not always just that classic traditional model of your dad bringing you out or your grandpa or whatever. A lot of times now people are just learning from other people from organizations. I mean, uh, you got all these adult onset hunters who start and maybe a friend gets them into it or they go to an event sponsored by their, their natural resources board or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. there's all these different new ways people are getting into hunting, but it seems like for the most part, people are skipping to some of the bigger animals and, and more complicated hunting, um, as they're being taught. And the thing about squirrel hunting is like, you can learn so many fundamentals that apply to all other types of hunting and it's lower pressure and it's super accessible and your odds of success are really high just because there's a lot of squirrels out there. I mean, if you just spend a little bit of time out there, you're probably going to shoot a squirrel. Like, are you going to shoot a limit or multi limits across multiple days? Maybe not, but you're going to have some level of success. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important for people who first start out. Um, yeah, it's not all about the kill and shooting something, but to a certain degree, you know, people, especially new hunters by and large want to feel successful and they want to, they want to shoot something, bring it home and cook it. So with a squirrel, you can probably go out once or twice. And, you know, even if you're just lucky run into one, whereas like a deer or a turkey, someone might hunt years when they're starting out without even getting a chance to take a shot. So it's just a cool entry level type of hunting. And as I learned, like I kind of went into this, not really having much respect for it or like not thinking it was going to be super intense, but mm-hmm. it was completely the opposite. Uh, like just the, the level of sensory that you have to have when you're hunting these things, like you're not just haphazardly strolling through the woods and just shooting squirrels out of trees. Yeah. Like they have really good vision and they're super sneaky the way that they scale around the trees and especially this early season when there's a bunch of canopy they're really hard to see and also the shots what you're trying to head shoot the thing so it's the shots are pretty difficult even if it's only 50 yards um trying to shoot a squirrel and that small target like you got to have all your fundamental rifle skills down or even if you're shooting a a 410 or a smaller shotgun like some people do like you still have a, a real challenge and that translates into all the other types of hunting. So I, I have so much more respect for it now that I've done it. And it's, it's way more intense than I ever thought it would be. Like I, when I, when we sat on one of the first trees and waited for the squirrels to show themselves, it was like sitting there waiting on a, a bedded mule deer or something. I'm not even kidding. Like it was, it was really cool because there was just so much buildup and suspense to it. And then, finally you think you're going to get a shot and it shows up it's visible for a second and then it hides behind the tree or it jumps onto another branch or whatever some leaves cover it like it was all these fits and starts of intensity as we were sitting there so when i finally shot my first one 
it was like a it was like a trophy man like i wanted to go over there and slap a tag on it and throw it in the tailgate (laughs) of the truck and drive it around town like it was way cooler than i expected well and that's what i want to talk to you about is you know how did this hunt go down like were you just literally plopping down next to a tree and just looking up and waiting? Or, I mean, was there any kind of strategy behind like specific trees? You know, was there something from the canopy through e-scouting that, you know, your guys and you had looked at or like how, where, when, why? Tell me. <laughs> well, like I said, going into that first morning, I, I went out there with just, I was an open book. Like I, didn't go out there with any expectation or v- real vision of how it was going to go down. I just knew that uh, the guy who I was with, Will Brantley, he's an outdoor writer. Um, he's a hunting editor for Field and Stream. He's always done a lot with Realtree, but he's also uh, an outfitter. And one of the things that he's guiding is squirrel hunts. So that's who we were with. Um, so it was a camp full of guys who know each other and we're all friends and stuff. But um, I knew that going out there with Will, that first that first morning he's a lifelong squirrel hunter so i was there to just watch observe listen you know just learn from him everything that i could and uh just set everything else aside and that's any type of outfitted hunt you do that's so important is to just uh get yourself in check and be willing to listen because even if it's a type of hunting that you're familiar with like let's mm-hmm. say you go on a a guided deer hunt yeah if you go in there and you try to grab the wheel, odds are it's not going to be a good experience because um, you got to trust the people who are intimately familiar, at least with the ground that you're on, but the hunting styles, um, the setups, all that sort of stuff. Like you got to have an open mind going into that type of deal. So that's what I did that first morning and throughout the hunt. And the way that we did it was way more, way more surgical than I thought it was going to be. And like I said before, I thought we were probably just going to go walk through the woods, maybe listen for a squirrel and then just waltz on up and, and shoot them and just <laughs> yeah. cover a bunch of ground. That was not how it was at all. Um, the main strategy, and as I understand it, it's this, this way the whole year, the main strategy revolved around food source, no different than hunting a lot of other big game animals. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to find a reliable food source and the squirrels will be there. And if they're not there, they're going to be coming. So down where we were at, it's primarily a couple different types of hickory trees. And so Will and his, his crew had done some pre-scouting because you go through the hardwoods and there's a hickory tree here. There's a hickory tree there. There might be some together, but just like all hard mass trees for the most part, they're not all going to be dropping nuts. Like you need to find one active tree that's actually producing nuts. And well, at this time of year, not dropping them. If if you hear a nut drop, that's the other interesting thing. It's a squirrel. Like almost every time. Yeah. The wind could knock one out of the tree, but nine times out of 10, if you're walking through the woods early in the season and you hear a nut hit the ground, most likely it was a squirrel throwing it off throwing it out of the tree either after he ate the nut or um you know when they start digging into these things they realize that some of them aren't aren't good like on the inside and that's kind of a miracle how they do that Uh, i talked talked it over with those guys and even they don't understand how the squirrels know but they'll start chipping away at the hull of that nut and they can like sense if there's any good meat inside and if there's not 
they throw the thing to the ground and they go find another one. So you're walking through the woods and you're on high alert the whole time, listening for any subtle, subtle noise that would be a squirrel. And to me, that was really the coolest part about the whole thing was like a lot of hunting is more visual, mm -hmm. like glassing. And just if, even if you're sitting in the woods, tight woods for whitetails, you're looking for that flick of the tail. You're looking for any sign of movement. It's not so much about sound because the animals are so quiet. Well, squirrels, you're walking through these woods and you are trying to listen for any little subtle sound that could be created by a squirrel. So that's, that's a, maybe a, a tree limb shaking or it's their claws going up and down the bark or it's a nut dropping or you can hear them chipping away when they're when they're chewing on these nuts like and up until this point i've hunted around squirrels my whole life but i've never tuned into them like this because i've never been hunting them so yeah. it's like my mind has always kind of blocked it out and now thinking back like i can't i can't even count the number of times i've been in the woods where i've heard squirrel noises and i just completely like tucked them away in the back of my head didn't even pay attention to it but now now that i've hunted them every time i go out in the woods i'm going to be like oh there's a squirrel over there there's a squirrel over there and I'll, i'm going to start getting uh -huh. excited about that but uh yeah i guess that's the the main game with it is finding those productive food sources and then just staking them out like like i said before most likely if you find a productive tree the squirrels are going to be there yeah. and if they're not already there they're going to come so we would post up on one of those productive trees usually we would get an indication that there's already a squirrel in there um, we would hear one doing something and then we would try to wait on that squirrel to show itself um but like one of the times we sat two hours on one tree wow and as we were sitting there it started out there were two squirrels that we were trying to just get a clean shot on but they wouldn't show themselves well, throughout the process of sitting there, you got squirrels coming in from other directions because they could hear their buddies or their rivals, I guess, chipping away at these nuts. So they all they all start to close in. So, I mean, you can shoot a limit of squirrels off of one tree, no problem, if you're just patient. And yeah. a lot of times that's more productive than walking around the woods because every time you walk around the woods, these things hear you and they see you. Mm -hmm. And just like any other game animal, like they shut down. Um, if, if they hear you or they see you, they're going to go hide and they're going to be kind of just hanging out for a while before they go back to their normal activities. So um, you know, if you're walking around and you, see, you happen to see one, then your only chance of killing it is to just sit down, be still and wait for that, that squirrel to go back to his normal routine. So it's really a lot of it's like very similar to spot and stalk hunting for big game like you find the animal and then you got to wait on it and in the process you know you might be you might be on one buck but then next thing you know a buck that's a whole class bigger steps steps into play just because it's a place that they want to be mm -hmm. so that's how it is with every game animal like you go where they want to be and odds are they're going to start to show up and that's it was just way more than I thought it was going to be. It was super cool. Heck yeah. So, you know what, let's talk about after the kill, right? You know, I think a lot of people are probably listening like, okay, you know, you, you went on this Kentucky hunt, you, you killed some squirrels. 
what do you do with them? How are you cooking them, prepping them? Like, what do you do with squirrel? So anybody who, who knows me knows that I'm like really big into the meat side of stuff and cooking. And I've sold yep. a lot of recipes over the years. I love cooking wild game. I, I grew up cooking in restaurants before I did any of this outdoor media stuff. And so that was a huge part of it for me was figuring out like, what do you do with them? Because I've had squirrel before. And that's another reason I was excited for this hunt is because I have had it a couple of times. Um, just on some of those opportunistic squirrels that I've shot mm-hmm. and it's really, really good meat. Really? And yeah, it's people, some people get weirded out by them. Think, you know, you hear the term tree rats and whatnot and people just <laughs> think that they're these nasty varmints. But if you think about it, you are what you eat and you are what your prey eats. So squirrels are eating pretty good out there. Mm-hmm. Usually they're eating nuts and really good natural stuff. They're not just out eating piles of garbage. I mean, some of them in a, a suburban or urban setting might be eating out of your trash can. I've definitely seen that, but wild squirrels are eating pretty good. And so their meat naturally is good. And they, uh, you know, just, just like most animals, the older they get, the tougher they get. So then there's kind of a, a line in the sand about how you cook them depending on their age, which I thought was interesting, but we were fortunate to have Michael Penley in the camp and Michael Penley is a, a renowned wild game chef. Um, he has a blog that he does for real tree called timber to table. And he does a lot of other stuff. He, he does some, some events and whatnot. The dude is a incredible Southern wild game chef. So he was there to cook a bunch of wild game for us while we were in camp. But when we got some squirrels knocked down, he prepared squirrels a number of ways for us mm-hmm. and you can grill them, you can fry them, you can slow cook them. Um, the way he put it as, as people will see, if they watch the film is essentially you can cook a squirrel just any way that you could cook a chicken. Um, the meat is very similar. So like when you fry them, he did, he did some Buffalo style. So they were like, essentially like eating Buffalo chicken wings, except they were squirrel. Now, wait, yes, they they do have more. (laughs) You said the meat is like similar to chicken. All right, y'all, we're going to interrupt this podcast real quick for a quick word from our sponsors. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Bowtech Archery. Refuse to follow. If you're in the market for a new bow this fall, make sure you check out Bowtech and the easy tuning capabilities of the Deadlock system. I've been shooting the SR350 this year, and tuning that thing has been so easy. Don't have to worry about twisting strings or doing any of that rasin jazz. So if that's what you're looking for, make sure you check out Bowtech Archery today. Up next, we got Lacrosse Boots and their Navigator Series. The world is raw, rugged, and relentless. Navigate it accordingly. The Navigator Series is born to take your hunt further. Check out the comfortable and versatile line of lace-up hunting boots from Lacrosse today. Up next, we got Federal Premium. Go beyond what you ever thought possible with their lineup of Terminal Ascent ammunition. I've been using this ammo this year so far, and it has worked phenomenally for me. From Predators all the way up to a beautiful Hill Country, Texas Axis Buck, it worked amazingly. One shot, that buck didn't go anywhere, about 250 yards. That buck dropped right in his tracks. Literally didn't have to do any tracking. So if you're in the market for some new ammunition, check out Federal Premium and their lineup of Terminal Ascent. Up next, we got Browning, the best there is. I'll be using their new lineup of Ovix gear this fall, so I'm really excited to check that out and just get to use it this fall all the way from the Whitetail Woods up in the mountains chasing elk. And finally, we got WorkSharp, the knife sharpening company. 
I use their MK2 knife sharpener on every knife in my house, in the kitchen, in my pack. It makes sharpening your knives a breeze. My wife even loves to use this thing. It makes everything super easy. So if that's what you're looking for, make sure you check out WorkSharp today. All right, y'all, we're going to get back to this episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. It's it's more similar to chicken than it would be to like it's kind of a pinkish meat. It's not it's not super dark red meat. Um, and it's not like as it's not as white as turkey, but I would say it's it's almost the color of uh almost the color of like pheasant meat, at least the legs. Like so, pheasant legs would be probably pretty similar to squirrel. So not quite like pork. I would say no, not quite like pork. They're very lean, but somewhere between they're somewhere between like pheasant legs and uh, pork is actually a pretty good analogy. There's somewhere in between like pheasant legs and if you, if you were to like cook a pork shoulder. Okay. Um, so it's, it's really good, delicious, sweet meat. Now, like the legs, of course, they're small legs and, you know, squirrels are running around trees and stuff. So they do have quite a few tendons and stuff in there, but you just eat them. If, if you're frying the legs like chicken wings, you just eat them like chicken wings, you know, you eat around the bones and the tendons and stuff. And, just kind of go savage on them. Huh. It's kind of making me hungry right now for some squirrel. <laughs> Man, they're really good. Uh, my favorite recipe that Michael made was the, the more traditional squirrel and dumplings. That's a big Southern thing. I mean, any any game animal slow cooked is going to be pretty hard to beat just oh, because yeah. it breaks down everything so well and it's mm-hmm. tender and it's you just get a nice pile of tender finished meat. Um, but a huge part of it, a huge part of it for this is, uh, the skinning process. But even before that, I mentioned before the headshots, like you're shooting these squirrels with generally rimfire rifles or small shotguns, like a 410. Some guys use a 12 gauge with, with lighter loads, but, uh, they're pretty delicate. So the ideal scenario is you shoot an accurate rimfire. I was shooting a 17 HMR with CCI ammunition. I was shooting a Savage A17, which is a semi-automatic uh, rifle they built for the 17 HMR cartridge. It's a sweet rifle. It's got a 10-round rotary magazine, so you get plenty of rounds. Uh, it's a it's a semi-auto, so it's, it cycles real nice, and you get a you get plenty of shots. You know, you got a bunch of squirrels in a tree. You can miss a few times, and you still got plenty of rounds to work with. But guys typically will shoot, guys and girls will typically shoot those rim fires. Um, 22 long rifle, 22 magnum. Uh, there's a, a Winchester 22 that came out several years ago that people like. And then a 17 Hornady magnum rim fire, 17 HMR mm-hmm. is really popular. That's what I ended up going with. And I was using the, the VMAX cartridges, um, well, VMAX bullets from, from CCI. So it's a CCI cartridge loaded with a Hornady VMAX bullet, which is a polymer tip bullet. It got it has really rapid expansion, and uh, people have even been been known to shoot coyotes with the 17 with a bullet like that. I mean, it's a it's just a tiny little pill of a bullet, but they do some pretty wicked damage, especially with that VMAX. It's a, it's like a ballistic style bullet, and where that's cool with squirrels is you're trying to take accurate headshots on these things yeah. to minimize meat damage and meat loss. So if you shoot them anywhere in the body, 
cavity, you're probably going to destroy either the front legs, the back straps, believe it or not, they have back straps or the rear legs. Yeah. So you don't want to hit them in the body. You want to head shoot them. Um, and what's nice about that VMAX is because it's such a volatile bullet, when it when it makes contact, even if you just skim them, if you don't make a perfectly centered headshot, that thing is going to expand so quickly that you're going to take them out. And even if you just hit them off to the side of the head, um, or especially in the middle of the head, it's it's violent, man. It like pretty much takes their head off. So it sounds gruesome. And, you know, I'm not gloating about the fact that you take headshots on these things, but that's just the reality of doing it the most ethical way you can. Because if, you, if you're going for a headshot, there's a good chance that it's either just going to be an instant kill or you're going to miss. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you are shooting up into the trees at these things with a rifle, even though it's just a rim fire, you, know, you want to try to be careful that there's a backdrop. Um, so a tree branch or the, the main stem or trunk of the tree you don't really want to just be blasting bullets off into the sky. Yeah. So you want to be careful of that, especially as other seasons start to open up. You got guys out there in tree stands and stuff. You know, you really got to be careful with the safety aspect of it. Um, and that that goes for the shotgun too. I mean, yeah, pellets aren't going to go as far, but you want to try to have some sort of backstop to stick to the basic rules of gun safety, you know, know your target and what's beyond. Mm-hmm. And so I really like that 17, but my friend JJ, who was on the hunt, he had the federal custom shop load up some custom squirrel loads for a 410. So they loaded him. What they were was uh, they were a 410 load with a half ounce of TSS. What? So yeah, it was it was really this was a, this was a test run for this this custom load, and it passed with flying colors. Sweet. So he was able to take a a single shot 410 and put a red dot on it and point shoot these things so rather than worrying about you know a lot of times you get a split second to get a shot at these squirrels before they disappear so he showed up i think the second or third morning when we met after the morning hunt and he had shot a limit with that 410 and he said he was poking them out to 40 yards with that and because it's only a half ounce and because it's tss he wasn't really badly damaging any meat because most of the pellets were going completely through the squirrel and you know those tiny little i think he was probably shooting like number nines or something either like sevens or nines you know they don't create a huge wound channel Mm -hmm. like probably that whole payload of that half ounce of tss at any reasonable distance where you're not just like shooting it at five yards and exploding it, but like the average shots he was taking, I would bet you that the devastation created by that small load of those TSS pellets was less than one bullet from that 17 HMR. Cause like I said, that thing is, is a pretty violent little bullet. God. So it, it's your trade-offs like, you know, headshots with a 17. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Like you're going to have, but you're also going to have, less overall success so you kind of got to decide what you want to do that 410 it gives you it's a shotgun it gives you room for error so it doesn't have to be a perfectly precise shot you're probably going to get more squirrels down but you may you know depending on the shots and the distances and stuff you may end up with with more meat destruction but 
it just sort of all depends. So it's pick your poison. Man, what kind of optic did you have on top? Because I'm interested to know, because I have a 17 myself. I'm like, oh, I might be doing something new before long. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, you're thinking, okay, it's just a squirrel gun. Your average shot distance isn't really going to be that far. You know, I mean, 100 yards would be like the equivalent of a 300-yard shot with a center fire on a big game animal. Like, you're trying to get within 50 yards, but they're such a small, wily little target that and you're trying to take those precise shots that you actually do kind of need a good optic and you need some good magnification to make those precision precision shots okay so in my case i was shooting a a, a burris full field four and i believe it was a i think it was a three to twelve and and i was dialing up you know at least to to nine or ten if not twelve for most of my shots is that specifically and, uh, a rimfire scope or no it's not specifically a rimfire scope but um if you go with just like the plex reticle um just a basic crosshair um or you could possibly use one of their their ballistic style reticles mm-hmm. um but honestly like the plex is probably the way to go with just a, a, a basic crosshair because you know, 50 to a hundred yards, your point of impact with a room fire isn't going to be changing that much. Yeah. And frankly, um, it's hard to get, like it'd be hard to find a shootable squirrel at a hundred yards. Most of the time, especially early in the season, we had to be close because the canopy was so thick. They were so hard to see. And a lot of times, like there was even one time where I, I shot through a leaf um, I, I, I could see his body, but I couldn't see his head, but I knew where it was. And I shot right through a leaf and took one out, but Heck yeah. it's, it's truly precision shooting. So mm-hmm. like you get an opportunity to get behind a trigger. And even if you're just target shooting with these, these rim fires and more trigger time equals better rifle skills, no matter what, and yeah. being able to do it with a rifle that has no recoil, you're not going to get bad habits with it. So no different than the concept of, you know, maybe you have a, maybe you're bringing out a 10 year old kid to turkey hunt and, you know, maybe you have them shoot a 410 at the range so that they're not scared of the recoil, but then maybe before the turkey hunt, you upgrade them to a 20 gauge and, you know, they're not afraid of the recoil at that point. And then when they shoot that turkey, they're not even going to feel the recoil because they're <laughs> going to be recoil? so excited. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a similar concept. Like, if you spend a bunch of time behind a rimfire shooting at rimfire distances, it's going to be a lot easier for you to shoot at longer distances with a centerfire rifle once you get into to bigger game. So that was kind of the underlying story for me for this film was I grew up in suburbia. I couldn't just walk out my backyard. There was not even anywhere I could ride my bike and just go shoot anything, even a bow. So mm-hmm. I always had to wait to go up to my family's farm and I was at the mercy of like my family bringing me up there. And if we're up there, are they going to make time for me to go out and shoot a 22? You know, anytime I got to, it was a big deal. So I missed out on not only like that whole rimfire chapter that a lot of kids typically got to start with back in the day and some kids in the country still do now. And with missing out on the rimfire thing, I also missed out on small game hunting. And that's always been like a, a sore spot for me because I hear about I hear about these kids who get to go out and 
you know, go for a walk in their back 40 and shoot squirrels. And I was like, I never got to do any of that. And I missed that whole thing. I went right to deer hunting Yep. and I got to, when I started out, I got to go one weekend a year and I would religiously wait for that weekend. And then it was over, you know, I cry myself to sleep when I got home. Cause I, that was my one chance to get out and hunt for the year. So that was sort of the story with this film is me going full circle and going back to this whole small game, rimfire squirrel hunting thing that, that I missed out on as a kid. And I I've always been bummed out about that. And now that I've been able to do it, I want to do more of it first of all, but I also am pretty passionate about like trying to introduce other people to it. Or if I hear someone's getting their kids started, like inform them about this. Cause people seem to forget about it nowadays. It's just, yeah. you don't hear a lot of people squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting. So it's really the ideal, ideal way to get into hunting and build your skills and have a good time. Definitely. So knowing what we know, and kind of hearing about what you've learned from this hunt and what you've taken away from this hunt, let's say there's a, a dad and son duo out there, or dad and daughter, or mom and kids, whoever, they're listening to this podcast and they're like, man, we want to try that. What would you have to say to them after they hear this and they want to give squirrel hunting a try? Well, first of all, I mean, it's accessible in every way, all right? Uh, an inexpensive rimfire rifle, you, know, you can get a rimfire rifle for probably less than a hundred dollars and it's going to do what you need it to do. And you're going to be able to get an optic. It's, it's not a, it's not an expensive package to get started with. And that's a rifle that if you buy for somebody, you can have it in your family forever. You can have it just to shoot targets and, and, whatever just have fun plinking with it if you're out on the farm yep. you, know, you can you can have some fun with that rifle get a lot of use out of it and they don't cost that much and mm -hmm. the ammo doesn't cost as much as center fire and generally it's it's pretty accessible i mean there have been some shortages just like everything else yeah during covid but by and large like buy 200 300 rounds of rimfire and you, you can have you can use that for years and you can just buy the same ammo uh, just to plink with that you would hunt with. So you don't have to worry about reciting in your rifle or nothing. And, you know, it's just, it's easy to get into it from an equipment perspective. And um, you're able to go out there. I, a lot of States you can hunt. I mean, you can just go out there and jeans and a flannel if you wanted to, like, you don't have to, you don't have to have a bunch of really expensive stuff across the board from the rifle setup to the ammo, to the gear, to the license. Like it's, it's inexpensive to get into. And then the accessibility, you go out to any piece of public ground that has hardwoods and mass trees, there's probably going to be squirrels. And you're probably going to at least be able to have encounters with squirrels um, if you go out and hunt for a half day or something. Yeah. So that's that's really cool for somebody who is wanting to to get their kid into squirrel hunting. It's just super easy to get into. And then you know, you're able to have fun with it. And that's the biggest part. Kids get started on other animals and you might go three sits or whatever, and not even see a deer or see a turkey, or, you know, they might be super intimidated when the animal does show up and it's hard for them to shoot with squirrels. You can make it a good time. You can, to a certain degree, you can be out there, you can talk, you can laugh, you can, it's, it's just low pressure. And it just has all the makings of an ideal beginner hunting scenario. And then if that, you know, if that kid shoots a squirrel, 
you get to go home and they can choose how you want to cook it and they're going to be a part of that whole process so you just overall you can't go wrong with it it's it's just it's perfect sounds like a great way to introduce somebody to hunting the barrier to entry is low fun and you can cook a lot of things with the meat yeah it's uh i can't say enough about it and just again going back to the the woodsmanship skills and the rifle skills and just how to conduct yourself in the woods like will brantley says in the video it's uh it's it's just the perfect scenario and with using hunt stand um you know if you're trying to introduce somebody new to e-scouting like the same principles apply with squirrel hunting as they do to a lot of a lot of other stuff i mean you're going to use the the maps for just basic navigation but then also you're going to save the locations of those mass trees so you can revisit them because odds are you know they may not be productive an individual tree may not be reprodu- uh, productive every year but you find enough of them and you're going to have a nice little you know be, you'll be able to kind of ping pong around to these different spots that you have marked and uh more options the better so you got the navigational aspect, you've got the scouting aspect, and then, you know, finding more public land, all that stuff. There's so many different ways you can use hunt stand to squirrel mm-hmm. hunt, which is, you know, I didn't know how, how applicable it was going to be, but it, when I got down there, I realized it was just as important as any other hunt. We were using hunt stand the whole time and hunting with a group, you know, you can share a group hunt area. Um, you can keep track of where everybody is with the real time location stuff. It's just, it's a, a great tool for that. And it's a great way to learn how to e-scout, honestly. Man, sounds like you had a good time. I'm jealous. And uh, you better take me squirrel hunting with you next time. <laughs> well, we'll have to get out. Uh, our season up here goes well into January after deer season. So that's, I won't touch my deer woods with a, with a to go after squirrels no. until deer season is well over. Yeah. Um, that's the hard part for me right now. Like I want to go do it again, like now, but. I'm not going to go out there and, and try to shoot squirrels where I'm trying to keep deer patternable. Yeah. Um, so I might just hit some public land around here to, to get my squirrel fix, you know, go out during an evening during the week or whatever when I'm not deer hunting, but yeah, man, we'll get out. Hopefully, uh, you know, maybe in the winter, grab some snowshoes up here. That'd be a fun little adventure. Pair it with a predator hunt. Um, that sounds really that's cool. the thing with it. Like winter, you could pair it with a predator hunt. How, how cool would that be to kill a coyote? and a squirrel two two nemeses of each other on the same hunt and uh you want to talk about early season the other thing i really that really it, it woke me up to even though i was hunting somewhere where i'm probably not going to go deer hunting or turkey hunting anytime soon i was i was paying attention to all the deer and turkey sign while i was out there hmm. so i mean for me don't get me wrong. I'll go hiking and I like a, a walk in the woods, but typically if I'm going to go for a walk in the woods, I like to do it with purpose. And my purpose is for hunting. So, yeah. Hey, go for a hike, but do it with a rimfire look for some squirrels. And then while you're out there, scout for the hunting that you're, you're more serious about. I mean, I found turkey scratchings. I found deer rubs, well-worn deer trails that have probably been used for years out on this public land, like key into the big picture. And you know, even for those parents bringing their kids out who maybe don't really feel like going out and squirrel hunting, well, selfishly, you can bring your kid out and you can scout for other stuff that you might want to hunt if you're not into the squirrel thing. So true. It's, uh, hopefully, I've sold it by now with everything that we talked about. But um, 
forget about what I'm saying. Anybody who's listening just needs to go out and try it once Mm -hmm. and try, give it, give it an honest shake and take it seriously. And I think you're going to be pretty surprised. Heck yeah, man. Well, Josh, man, I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast, talking about the squirrel hunt and uh, being an advocate for it and and encouraging people out there to get started with it if they haven't started. Yeah. Everybody who's listening, we really appreciate you taking the time and check out the film. Uh, We've talked about this, but you can go on our YouTube channel or you can go on huntstand.com to our field notes section. Um, You can find links through our social media, but the film is called Looking Up. Um, it's a hunt stand original film. It's going to be on all those platforms. And then it'll also soon be streaming on waypoint TV. If you get your content that way. So check it out. Uh, you've heard us talk about it now go see what it's all about with film. All right, y'all, there you go. We just want to thank Josh for hopping on the podcast, talking squirrels and squirrel hunting. It's got me hooked. I want to do this and it's got me interested to maybe take my daughter out and do this one day. Really good target practice, get her acquainted with firearms firearm safeties and so i got this in the back of my head for whenever she's ready for it so again y'all thank you for tuning in for the hunt stand podcast and we'll see you on the next one succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest tune in to west marines life on the water presented by costa custom boats every saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv spend your saturdays with life on the water join captain brandon simmons for fishing diving travel and so much more you want to succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest oh look at that thing dude (laughs) let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today don't miss life on the water every saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv (laughs) the destination for outdoor entertainment